0: And this this scripture has spoken deeply to me. And my hope and prayers for you is that it encourages you, especially those who are wrestling with difficulties, because we all wrestle with difficulties, that it humbles those who are not walking with the Lord, and that God will use this light, this message, to bring a light to us that we continue to persevere and pursue Christ in the midst of trials. And that we always seek his sufficient grace. So 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. It says, Paul, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained of it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man of Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heavens. Where in the body of our, well, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that he cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but not on my own behalf. I will not boast except of my weakness. Though I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me that that he sees or he may hear from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. For this gathering, I thank you for your sufficient grace. God, as we gather together to study your word, may it be your words that come from me. God, may it be your Holy Spirit that convicts us, that grows, that shows more of your character, that as we leave this place today, that we go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ with our neighbors, with our families, with our friends, God. In the midst of trials, in the midst of being on the mountaintop or in the valleys, God, it doesn't matter because we know that your grace is sufficient. So may we go, grow, and engage in the in the community here to equip people for gospel ministry. We thank you and praise you and bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in Second Corinthians twelve is kinda in the middle of this speech Paul's giving a speech about boasting. He's going to the Corinthians church because for several reasons. One, to describe himself and to defend his ministry. To defend himself as a true apostle. And mainly, to talk to the Corinthian church about these super apostles that were boasting to them. These super apostles who were boasting about how great they were, how holy they were how they could do miracles some of them not even sharing the true gospel of Jesus Christ others of them were boasting so that they could receive money from the Corinthian church and Paul wanted to address this because some of the Corinthians were starting to buy it they were buying this fake gospel that these super apostles were selling because it sounded good because they were boasting so much And to end Paul's letter, Paul takes the tactic of boasting, but he flips the script. (laughs) And he boasts out of his weakness to show that Christ is who we rely on, not our own abilities. And Paul talks about these super apostles in 2 Corinthians 11, 12, and 13. Paul says, and what am I doing? I will continue to do. In order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that their boasted mission, they worked on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. So Paul is trying to share with the Corinthian church, do not listen to these false apostles who boast about the things that they are doing and not boasting about the cross of Christ. And when we read this, we tend to think, get them, Paul. <laughs> Tell those Corinthians what they're doing wrong. Or we think, how could the Corinthians ever sell this false gospel? But when we step back and we really examine our hearts and we examine our cultures, our culture, our culture is infested with these types of super apostles. In the secular world, we see people constantly boasting about how good they are, how wealthy they are, how great their new cars are, how <laughs> awesome their house is. They're boasting about things outside of Christ. People are selling us Christians things that, think, that we think might change our lives, that will make our lives better. If you only buy this or you get this new version of this, your lives will be that much better. Sometimes we give them our money. (laughs) We fall for it. We also see in the secular world people boasting of of how great their ideas are, how great what they believe is. And they post it all over social media. And the sad thing is a lot of times we follow them. (laughs) As we're supposed to be Christ followers, we tend to follow these super apostles. And even in this Christmas season... It's filled with advertisements of, if you buy this, it will bring you joy. Celebrate this, and it will bring you hope. But it's a false hope. (laughs) It's a false joy, because we can only find our joy in Christ. We only have hope in Jesus Christ. And sadly, this has infiltrated the church, right, right? This super apostle, this thinking of boasting of who we are and what we've done has come into the church. And and sometimes in us, we say, look what we've done for Christ. Look how holy we are. Look how long we prayed. And we do it in the name of Jesus. And so if we do it in the name of Jesus, it's okay. (laughs) And we boast about ourselves, but oh, we, we, we did this in the name of Jesus. So we kind of justify our actions. And, and look, I'm here to confess and confront. I'm guilty of this, very much so. <laughs> Virgil asked us back, and I've shared, look what we've done in Honduras. <laughs> look how many souls were saved in the name of Jesus. But sometimes I lost the focus of who was doing the work. So not that I did it in malcontent, but I think... This super apostleness this, this boasting, has so infiltrated our culture that it's hard to run away from. It's just kind of ingrained in us, so we have to battle and fight against it. And just as I was going through the scripture in 2 Corinthians ten seventeen, it says, "If we boast, we boast in the wo- in the Lord, but not boast out of our strength in what we've done, but as Paul, we boast in our weakness." But this principle is not only seen in Paul, it's also importantly taught by Jesus in Luke 10, 17 through 20. After Jesus sent out the 72 to go preach the gospel, they come back filled with joy. And the scripture said, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. And here's the focus, 20. Jesus says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So many times we lose focus and we rejoice of what God's doing through us instead of rejoicing that our names are written in the book of heaven instead rejoicing in the cross and boasting about the cross we forget that we boast about what we've done and I'll be honest this was a this is a tough year in ministry for us but not like every year is easy but but this is a tough year in ministry for us and as I was praying I, I came to a point and Jesus just said am I just not enough for you? You're complaining about this and this and this, but the cross is enough. And so I, I said, thank you, God. I said, I have to come to a realization that if God gives me nothing more, if I'm just left with nothing, the cross is enough for me. It's a hard revelation. It's hard to live by. But that's what Jesus is calling to. that The cross is enough. So the question... <laughs> It, that I ask myself, or we should ask ourselves, is how do we check ourselves? What do we need to do to make sure we're not falling into this trap of, of the super apostles, that we're not trying to boast about ourselves or we're not trying to sell or, or to buy what they're selling, that we rely on our, our weaknesses and l- rely on Christ to move instead of relying on ourselves. And what I come ar- come away with in Chapter 12, verse 7, is that we need to examine ourselves. We need to look at the trials God permits us to go through to realize that it's humbling us, to realize he's doing it to keep our eyes on him so that we don't fall for the things of this world. We don't fall for the trap of our culture. And Paul explains this in verse 7. He says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So the points I want to make clear is first, Paul recognized, yes, he was going through hardships, but he recognized that God permitted those hardships. God permitted the thorn in his flesh. And the secondly, we need to understand that Paul sought out the reason why that thorn was there. He just didn't complain. He asked. I'm not saying we don't ask God, take this away from me, But he did just say, God, why, why, why? But he saw, he saw the purpose for that trial. He saw the purpose for his tribulation so that it would keep him focused on Christ and not being conceited. And becoming like the super apostles. Yet, as Christ followers, we need to recognize in our own lives what is Christ doing through our trials? What is Christ doing in our tribulations? How is this leading me to be more Christ like instead of giving the enemy too much credit and saying, oh, Satan's always after us? He is. But God's permitting it for us to stay focused on him. We need to seek how is our trials and tribulations keeping us humble? Or are they allowing us to keep our eyes on Christ? Is Christ permitting these things to happen so that we continue to trust and rely on him and not our own abilities and not our own strengths? Sometimes what we deem horrible or devastating In our own eyes, God sees it as a blessing and as an opportunity to grow our faith and to become more Christ-like. We see this James in chapter 1, 2, and 4. And and ever since I started reading my Bible, this verse has always stuck out to me. (laughs) It always boggled my mind because it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when we meet trials of various kinds. Why should I consider it joy when I'm going through hell? Why should I consider it joy when my grandmother is passing or when we're struggling with family or there's difficulties in relationships? Well, verse 3, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So if we can stay focused on what God is doing, if we can stay humbled, we will not fall to the trap of being conceited and saying, look what I'm doing for the Lord. But we continue to say, look what God is doing in my life. Look what God has has done on the cross. God permits the trials and difficulties so that we are allowed to persevere and be made complete. And so we stay focused on growing to be more like him. Um, I have a picture. Uh, (laughs) That is me and Ezra's special spot in Honduras. Um, So we love to go hiking. Uh, And it always starts off great. (laughs) Ezra's looking at the chickens running around. He sees donkeys, and it's great. But to get to that spot... And that's our special spot. That's usually where we pray um, and turn around. And then usually after we get um, <laughs> this bayadas, this tortilla with beans. That's like our end of trip special thing that we eat together. He loves his beans and tortillas. Um, anyway, so to get there, you have to take a steep incline up the mountain. Every time we get to that point, I know what's coming. It's Daddy. <laughs> I'm tired. (laughs) He looks up there and says, Daddy, uh, can you put me on your shoulders? And I have to quietly say, no, son, you've done this before. And I give him three options. I said, one, we can stop and turn around. But if we do that, we will not get to our our special spot. Two, I say, I'm going to go up and you can just stay here and complain and cry and you can sit here and wait. Till I come back, and he's scared to do that. <laughs> or third, I say, or you can persevere. And you can walk up this hill, and we can get to our special spot, and we can rest there, and we can pray, and we can see the birds, and we can look at this beautiful view. And I see that God using that analogy in our spiritual lives as well. That when we come to our struggles. We come to hardships in our lives. We can do one of three things. We can stop and turn around and say, Nope, not going to do it. And we fall into the trap of the world. We think the world is better, easier. And I'll just go, turn around and go back to that. Or two, we just sit and complain and say, God, why, 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 why? Because we don't understand. Or three, we can persevere and we can get to where God wants us to go. To see the beauty of what he has for us after we persevered. And so that we can become more Christ-like and less like the world. And so this is what Paul is saying in our walk with Christ. And that's what he saw in his own life is to keep me humble, I need to persevere. I need to, to endure this hardship. It keeps me from boasting. It keeps me rooted in Christ. And Paul realized that his struggle, that thorn in the flesh, was for a greater purpose. And that when he endured, he grew closer to Christ. So if we are to live opposite of our culture, if we're to live opposite of what uh, society is telling us is good for us, then we need to endure the trials and tribulations so that we can stay rooted in Christ. And now in, in chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, Paul is so gracious and he tells us how that we can do that. Because I say this and it's not easy. <laughs> We've all faced trials and tribulations and we know we can say in our mind, well, we need to persevere, but that doesn't make it easier, right? But Paul gives us of how we can do this. How, when we're in those moments, we can rest on Christ's sufficient grace. And so, 2 Corinthians twelve eight tells us, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. How do we endure hardships God permits? Through the f- sufficient grace of Christ. How do we stay focused on not being super apostles or falling to the things those super apostles are selling? By the sufficient grace in Christ. How do we endure being outcasts from our culture? Through the sufficient grace that Christ gives us. We do it under his power, through our weakness. And that is hard for us in our culture because our culture is, I can do attitude. I can do it. But us as Christians, Christ followers, we have to say, I can't, but God can. I can't do it on my own, but I know the one who can. And through my weakness, he will lead me. And Paul knew this, that he could do nothing without Christ. He was humbled from the very beginning when he was blinded that he had to rely on Christ and not his own strength. Paul understood that through the power of the Spirit, only the Spirit could make people saved. Only the Spirit could draw people to Christ. It wasn't the power of Paul. And even through struggles in his own life, he knew the miracles God could do, but he did not boast on those. He boasts about his weakness because he knew nothing could be accomplished without the Spirit and without Christ. And this is how we grow deeper in relationship with Christ, by relying on his grace and not relying on our own abilities. And this is how we are separated from the super apostles. That's how Paul separated himself. As they go on boasting of, look what I did, and look what I can do, and follow me, and you can do this. Paul said, no. (laughs) He says, Christ is doing this. I do nothing. And me and Kelly have real-life examples of this, (laughs) Every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we we help run a rec center. Every hour on the hour, we give a a devotional, a gospel message um, to the lost that come into the center. And Kelly and I have this conversation often that every time we feel like we prepare a message um, and that we're good about it, and (laughs) we go out there and we're really slinging the word. And it's good, and I'm strong, and I'm on fire. And we always ask for a response. And those times, we hear a lot of crickets. <laughs> and I go back behind the counter, Kelly, I just oh, I felt so good. But where's the response? And then there are the other times when we're really busy, and we're working, and we're helping people, and we're talking with people, and it's my time to share. And I'm like, what am I going to share? I, have, I don't know what I'm going to share. You know, I might be angry with somebody that stole a puzzle piece or or kicked a basketball and exploded. And I go out there and I just share the simple gospel. And I ask the response. Who is ready to dedicate their life to Christ? Raise your hand and you'll see hands pop, pop, pop. And I'll go back to Kelly. I said, praise God. But in those instances, I realized it's not, it's not Ryan. <laughs> it's the simple gospel that changes lives. And it became a real revelation to me that it's through my weakness I am made strong. It's through my weakness I need to rely on Christ. And so when we rely on Christ's sufficient grace... Paul calls us to respond to that. I lost my notes. In the the second part of verse 9, Paul says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When we experience Christ's sufficient grace in our lives to help us get through the trials or help us minister to others, we are called to then to respond, to declare that it was not through us, but it was through Christ alone. This is what our response should be to share God's sufficient grace, that it wasn't me, it was God's grace that allowed me to do this. And let us boast like Paul does. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11 23 through 30. It's amazing that Paul is boasting about these things. Paul says, Talking about the super apostles. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received the hand of the Jews and 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was drifted a sea. On frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil of hardships, through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure of me of my anxiety for all the churches who is weak and i am not weak who is made a fall am i not indignant if i must boast i will boast of the things that show my weakness <clears throat> this is a great example for us that when we see the sufficient grace of christ let's go out and boast in how great he is out of how weak we are. And Paul is boasting about this thing. This is the man who was literally called up to the third heaven. This is the man who saw Christ after his resurrection. This was a man who was healed from blindness, who planted churches all throughout Rome, who was, who, where people passed through his shadow, was healed. But this is what he's boasting about. He's boasting about his weakness because he wants people to see christ and not the things he does to show the glory of god and to glorify him in his weakness so that people can see god and not see paul this is the opposite of what those super apostles did this is the opposite of what our culture tells us to do and this is the example how we should follow so I come to you today, kind of opposite of what I've done before, is sharing how good God has been through us. But I want to share our weaknesses, what God has done in spite of our weaknesses. In the past couple of years, a good friend of mine, the director of the ministry, a Honduran, embezzled money. He spoke poorly of me and Kelly amongst the community, and he stole money from us.) This one's hard. Another very close friend who I was hoping, becoming a pastor, committed adultery. And as I was trying to restore him, could not leave that sin and continued in his adulterous relationship. Another young man I was discipling left the ministry to get a secular job just because it paid more money. And I realized quickly I can do nothing without the Lord. I realized quickly that in my weakness, God was strong. And my praises because of that is that he sustained us. <laughs> in the times I was ready to quit, the times I said, Kelly, let's go. There's no purpose for us. If everyone's going to walk away from what we're doing, why are we here? It's in those moments God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. In spite of my efforts, God has done amazing things this year. He has rebuilt things physically and spiritually and other people. He has reopened parts of the ministry that have been closed or have been dying. And it's not because of what we've done. It's only because of him. And so because of that, I will boast about my weaknesses and my failures and my faults because God's grace is sufficient, and he continues to lead us and guide us through those trials and allows us to see those things and allows us to root ourselves more closer to him. Therefore, (laughs) I no longer try to boast about anything that we do. I try to humble myself and not try to be like a super apostle and I try to be content in my weakness because God's sufficient grace. And Paul closes this section in Second Corinthians twelve ten, And he tells us, for the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And my encouragement to you is find contentment in our weaknesses because it honors and glorifies God. May we learn to be content in our weakness, to glorify God when we know we can do things, but we, we know that in our strength we can do it, but allow us to be content and say, no, God, let me rest in you and you go forth and do it. May we swim against the current culture that tells us that when you're strong, you're more of a man or... If you can do it, you're a better person. But allow us to rest in the sufficient grace of Christ. Allow us to rely on him to get us through it. And I'll be honest again. It's easier said than done in times through those trials, in times when you feel weak, in times when people desert you, it just clearly stinks. <laughs> and we try to justify ourselves to go out and think that we can do things and that we can fix it but when we rely on God's grace, we see the peace that we get when we rest in the Lord. And when we see Him move in spite of who we are, the joy that fills us and the love that we see in God in our lives, it's those moments that just bring us more closer to Him and say, Thank you, God. Thank you, Christ, for what you've done for me on the cross. Thank you for how you've continued to sustain me and be with me in the midst of the mountaintops, in the midst of the valleys. So here is the application I hope to leave you with from the principles of Paul's speech here. Number one is let us fight against the so-called super apostles, people who boast about the things other than Christ. And help us fight against the temptation to buy the things that they're selling. That things that, think that, we, that they think will bring joy and happiness. Because we know true joy only comes from the cross. Let us recognize God has permitted dip- difficulties in our lives to mature us in Christ. And let us prayfully seek God to see the reasoning why God is putting us through different trials and tribulations. Allow us to rest in God's sufficient grace to help us persevere through these difficulties. And lastly, allow us to boast in our weakness to always give God the glory. And so, in closing, maybe you're sitting there and you realize I can do things myself, I don't need Christ, that I can be happy on my own, I can fix myself. I just close and say, humble yourself. (laughs) Humble yourself and go to him. Allow him to restore you. Allow him to fix your heart. Allow him to be your strength. And so let's pray. Father God, you are so good. And I just praise you for that when we, are, when we are weak, you are our strength. I praise you for your sufficient grace that you give us daily, that your mercies are new on us daily. And God, allow us to remember this in the midst of trials and tribulations. Allow us to remember this when we are tempted to boast of ourselves and not boast of the cross of Christ. Allow us to remember this when the world is out there selling us a false gospel, a false hope, and a false joy. Father God, I thank you for this body of Christ. I thank you for this church, this assembly. God, may you bless them and keep them, continue to seek you, and continue to make a great impact for your kingdom and for your glory here in Pine Bluff. May God bless you and keep you. And all God's people said, amen.
1: Well, thank you for that wonderful word. I'm going to ask you to sit right there for just a minute. As we move into our ordination portion of our service, I want to share with you a few per- passages of Scripture uh, very briefly that talk about what it means to be an episcopal or a presbytoy, the word we get overseer from in the New Testament. So I'm going to ask Pastor Corey, if it, or excuse me, Craig. Where's Craig? There you go. If he, Craig is going to come, and he's going to read from 1 Timothy. Uh, chapter 3 verses 1 through 7, uh, what Paul has given through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about the biblical qualifications for the office of overseer or episcopos uh, for this role of pastor. So uh, we're going to put it on the screen as well and you can follow along if you'd like to listen to what Paul tells us. It should be 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 7, the very first scripture verse. There you go. Okay, I'm reading out of the uh, New King James Version. <clears throat> but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of, them th- lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unliving—excuse me, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than loving of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he shares all that with you. Why, why does God give us pastors and overseers to help counter all of those things, as Ryan was sharing with you in his message? So in 1 Timothy 3, there's about 19 qualifications that God's Word gives us regarding this office of episcopos. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, we see all these different qualifications that are here. Let me read them briefly. The saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer. He desires a noble task, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit. And fall into the condemnation of the devil. And moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders that he may not fall into disgrace, into a, into a snare of the devil. And I will tell you, brothers and sisters, as we observe the life of Ryan and Kelly together, uh, I believe without a doubt uh, he meets the biblical qualifications for the role of elder, overseer, episcopos, bishop, uh, pastor. All those words are synonymous for what God is calling. Uh, Ryan to you. I'm going to ask Corey if he'll come and Corey's going to read from Titus chapter 1 verses 5 through 9 as Paul gives the commandment to Titus also who's in a completely different ministry setting and context on the Isle of Crete. He's going to give Titus some specific qualifications that mirror Timothy but in a different ministry context. So I want you to hear as Pastor Corey shares these with us.
2: The Apostle Paul wrote to Titus and said, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it.
1: As you've heard the qualifications for the role of elder, Uh, pastor. uh, God's word is very, very descriptive and prescriptive for us. And we're glad to stand before you today to let you know that Ryan has been examined uh, by other ordained ministers in the Sand Hills Baptist Association by our own leadership here at Ives Memorial Baptist Church. And we bring forward to you the recommendation for his ordination uh, to be affirmed by our congregation today. So that said, Ryan, I want to charge you with something from scripture again. I want to read this out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, and you've got to understand, please, the relationship that Paul had with Timothy, his his spiritual son, if you will, uh, in his relationship. And Paul is going to leave this with Timothy. Many would refer to Paul's letter to Timothy as his last will and testament in 2 Timothy. And he's going to leave something very precious, and here is the charge that I believe applies to all ministers, all pastors today. So I'm going to read this, and this applies to your ministry. He says, "I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions." and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. And brother, I don't know how prophetic you realize your your scripture sermon was, but I I would love to print it off and put it in your filing cabinet, because in the years to come, you're going to need to pull it out and remind yourself just how difficult ministry can be. But what a blessing. Uh, The pay is not great, but the rewards are out of this world, right? So, brother, we want to welcome you. If you wouldn't mind, joining us down here in the front. And Kelly, if you would come up also. Uh, I'm going to ask our deacons, if you would come forward, please. And we're going to lay hands on Ryan and Kelly. uh, Not too hard, just lightly. And we're going to pray over this. And then after that's done, we want to present to you a certificate of ordination uh, and a new pastor's Bible uh, to commemorate the... The opportunity, All right as our deacons are coming. Uh, would you join me, congregation, as we pray over his ordination today? So, Father God, we thank you for this love and this mercy that you've extended. The call to Ryan Sawyer's and to his wife Kelly, Father, we thank you for the obedience and the courage it takes to surrender to that call, to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow you daily. So, Father, I pray now for your protection upon his family, upon all that he will have his hands in. I pray that you keep him morally straight, mentally sound, doctrinally aligned with the teachings of your Scripture. And, Father, when the difficulty comes, and it will come, Father, that your grace would be sufficient for him. Father, I pray that you give him strength and wisdom and and understanding, unlock his mind to clearly communicate and articulate the Scriptures as Paul reminds us to rebuke, correct, teach with patience and long-suffering. So, Father, I pray for Ryan now as he embarks upon faithfulness to the pastoral ministry. Lord, continue to bless his evangelistic outreach in Honduras and his missionary work there for him and Ryan, uh, for Kelly and Ezra, Keziah, and baby number three that's on the way. Father, thank you for this privilege of allowing us to be a part of the kingdom work that you are doing in us and through us here at Osmond Memorial Baptist Church. We praise you in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, sir. So let me present on behalf of our congregation. This is a certificate of ordination. We, the undersigned upon the recommendation and request at Ismore Baptist Church of Pine Bluff, North Carolina, sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given gifts and after satisfactory examination by us in regard to the Christian experience, call to the ministry, and views of biblical doctrine hereby certify that Reverend Ryan Sawyer's we solemnly and publicly set apart and ordain him to the work of the gospel ministry by the authority and order of Eisenhower World Baptist Church at Pine Bluff, North Carolina on the 12th day of December, 2001. Signed by his pastoral counsel, our trustee, and our chairman and assistant chairman of deacons at Eisenhower World Baptist Church. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. We're also going to present to you a minister's Bible. This has all the sermons outlined for him already, so he doesn't have to do any work, right? Uh, but it does have some funeral stuff in there in case you need anyway. Uh So we want to present that to you as our gift to help you prepare on your way, and uh, we will be taking them to lunch this afternoon to celebrate. Ms. Kelly, we want to thank you for all you do to support and to, to help lift him up. A pastor's wife can be a very lonely job, ladies and gentlemen, so please continue to pray for Kelly and uh, her childbearing. Uh, number three. So I understand the plan is eight. That's... Okay. All right. All right. So so God bless. Well, we're going to close in a word of prayer, and I believe Jacob is going to close us in prayer. And then what we'd like to do is extend the right hand of fellowship. If you are comfortable with shaking hands and being in close proximity, we're going to ask Ryan and Kelly to just stay right here. And if you would like to come by and wish them, pray for them, whatever you like to do, give them money, put it in their pockets. If you want to do that you can do that as well um, but please do that as we close our service and then we will be taking them to lunch today to celebrate so all right Jacob, you want to close us all right
2: let's pray lord thank you for the opportunity for us to gather here to listen to your word be preached lord and i, I pray that you give us all the strength to embrace our weakness that your grace which is sufficient is illuminated to those around us and not because of us, but in spite of us, Lord, that that your power be shown, that we are obedient to your, to your teachings, Lord. And I just pray for Ryan and Kelly's ministry as they continue. And I just ask for your protection on, on this congregation, this community, Lord, and you just to guide our hearts and help us to be obedient. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.